Episode 60. Listeners, imagine you were a 60-year-old person. Can you imagine such a thing? Now imagine that the Pottervision boys had put out an episode of the Pottervision podcast for every year that you have been alive. You'd feel pretty spoiled, wouldn't you? <laughs> but instead, instead of putting the episodes out in that way, we've released 60 over the course of a year and a bit. What a journey it's been. This is a very silly episode of the Pottervision podcast. It's one I'm very proud of. And I hope that you will enjoy listening to. I'm sat here in my dining room recording this intro at midnight of the 29th of November. Three minutes past midnight. I'm sat here. The room is cold. My tummy is hungry for more food. I've just had a McDonald's festive burger. It was not recommended. Well... If you're enjoying the Pottervision podcast, this is your weekly reminder to uh, tell a friend, leave us a review, spread the word. If you're enjoying it and you'd like bonus content, you can visit patreon.com forward slash Pottervision. We're on tour in the new year. We have 10 tour dates. We are going on tour across the UK. You can visit pottervision.com for a full list of tour dates. Anyway, why must I go on and on and on? Chew your ears off this way. This is episode 60. Hello, Pottervision listeners, and welcome to Pottervision, the podcast where every week this man here, Tom Lawrenson, he's a lovely man, he's a gorgeous man, and myself, Lucas Kirkby, I'm a humble man, I'm a twat. We look at a chapter of the Harry Potter books and we discuss them in great detail along with other tangents. This week, we're on episode 60. It's our Diamond Jubilee. There's bunting out on the street. There's long tables. There's families having picnics celebrating this wonderful occasion. We're on chapter three of The Goblet of Fire, The Invitation. And now, I would like to invite Tom to tell me how he is. Who, me? Yeah. The co-host of the Pot Vision podcast. Yes. Listeners, have you been waiting for me to talk? Maybe. I'm all right. But some bad news, Lucas. Oh, what's bad the news. bad news? Sorry, listeners, to start this episode on such a lull. But I washed this jacket I'm wearing before thee because mould had jumped onto the sleeve. Oh, no. I may have washed it at too high of a temperature. <gasps> but can you see... It shrunk. It shrunk. It's a trucker jacket and it shrunk. It looks like you've stolen it from a little boy and you've put your arms through it and it doesn't fit you. It's like I saw a little stylish boy on the street and yeah. I thought, ooh, you're stylish boy. <laughs> you're stylish. Yeah. I pushed him over, took his jacket and here I stand recording a Pottervision podcast. Oh no. So what, is it a goner, do you think, the jacket? Or will you wear it like that? Because it, it doesn't, it looks like it might be the style. You know, that might be how people wear it. It might be the style. A man wearing children's clothing. <laughs> I can get into the style. Can't you get into the style? Look, this is what they say. Uh, you know, 
copy, I can't remember the phrase, something like, copying everybody is fashion, mm. doing something different is style, something mm. like that. I, can't I love that phrase. <laughs> it's great, isn't copying it? Copying everybody is fashion, doing <laughs> different from anybody is style. It rolls off the tongue. <laughs> it rolls off the tongue, listeners. That's a good phrase. I can't remember the actual phrase. I'm paraphrasing. So, Tom, you uh, you look like Robin Williams in the film Jack. Mm. You grow in at four times the rate of normal boys, and your clothes don't fit you. Whereas you look like Robbie Williams in the Rock DJ video. You are a skeleton, and you are scaring me. I can see bones exposed. Your teeth. <laughs> My teeth! I'm a skeleton, and the more I dance, the more of my skeleton you can see. Oh! Can you kick it? Yes, you can. Don't kick a skeleton. He'll fall to bits. <laughs> Don't kick a skeleton. I'm enjoying saying skeleton. I think there are adults living in this world that genuinely think it is a skeleton, not a skeleton. It's nice to say skeleton. <laughs> it is. Well, I think that's the name of that Nightmare Before Christmas bloke. Is he called Jack Skellington? I think that's his actual name. But yes. It's fun to say. Skellington. Yes. And it's fun to say Caroline instead of Caroline. Do you agree? It's fun to say petrol. <laughs> it is fun to say petrol. There's loads of things you can mispronounce and it's yeah. fun. Yeah. It's true. You can like there's loads of things you can do to make your life seem a lot more fun. I, this is a big reveal. Yeah. This is a funny little thing that I do. Yeah. Big reveal. Listeners, you can start doing this. Yeah. That's a bit of fun. Yeah. When, uh, say, you're about to buy something for someone. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, you sure? And you say if it's like a fiver. Yeah. You go, a fiver? That's nothing to me. I got ten times that in the bank. That's a bit of fun. Do you get a good laugh out of that when you do that? A little bit. A because little bit. people begin to think you're bragging, but then they think, 50 pounds. <laughs> well, I've got 50 pounds. That's nothing to brag about. It's brilliant because it's that delayed reaction where they do the maths. Five times ten, fifty. Oh, that's not that much in the bank. Mm. <laughs> My little sister's got a good little uh, saying at the minute. Oh yeah, what's that then? It's uh, <laughs> she says, "Gossip, I love it." Oh, I like that. Gossip, I love it. <laughs> it's beautiful. It rolls off the tongue. Any phrase that has a little pop in the middle is just brilliant. Gossip, I love it. <laughs> you say it after you've been gossiping. <laughs> Oh, we shouldn't gossip. Gossip. I love it. Oh, I love it. There's a rhythm to it. It's good. I think we should popularise it. Let this be the beginning, listeners. I want you to repeat the phrase in, uh, you know, common common company, with your friends, with your family. Gossip. I love it. Gossip. I love it. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> Apart from getting yourself into children's clothing, have you been up to anything else since I've last seen you? Oh, rolling around like a pig in mud. Oh, essentially, I've been reminiscing. Oh thinking. yeah, yeah, I've been thinking about. We've been doing a lot of gigs. We're not spoken about them that much, but we've been doing a lot of gigs. Yeah, we've had uh, eight shows that we've done over the past kind of month and a half, mm. and we're now done for a Christmas break, aren't we? It's been fun. You've took the reins of driving because I was without motor car. Yes, you had a poorly motor. And I want to congratulate you on what a fantastic job you did. Thank you. Driving, long stretches. Yeah. Lucas has a funny quirk that he doesn't use headlights at night. I do. You think you do, but you don't. For Lucas has excellent eyesight. 
He was nibbling a carrot oh, all go. day long. Here we with go. With the leafage hanging out the window, yeah. throwing carrot end, carrot end along the A-roads. For the man's eyesight is impeccable. He can see at night. He can see at night. I have night vision goggles, but they're not goggles. They're normal glasses because my eyesight is impeccable. If you want to know where we've been on tour, just follow those carrot tops along the motorway and you'll get yourself to various comedy venues up and down the UK. Well, you, you do not use... I feel, I feel you use your spectacles just for, like, fashion. Because you don't use it when you need to be using it. Say, like, when you're performing on stage, that is a no-spectacle time for you. Well, I use it when I have stand-up, but when the pandemic hit, I don't think we'd done Potter Vision by the time I got my glasses. And when we're doing Potter Vision, sometimes we have to wear Harry Potter glasses, don't we? So I don't wear them for the show. But it's been horrible because before I got glasses, before the pandemic... I could see the audience, and now my eyesight has deteriorated, where the audience is very blurry now when I'm on stage. Is that your excuse? That's my excuse, yeah. <laughs> what, for getting uh, people up? <laughs> audience members, I love to select you. It's a fun thing to do. Audience selector. Audience selector. Proper Grimbo. Now, Lucas, I can see you are gagging to tell me. Yeah? Tell me about your week. Oh, what a week I've had. What a day I've had, can I just say. This morning, the day started off with a, an unusual email. Okay, so you woke up. <sighs> Big yawn. <sighs> Big poo. <laughs> I go. Hey, get out of it. Hey, what are you doing in here? I removed the lady from my ensuite. I then... <laughs> that's wasn't what you were doing, were you? I'm just following your lead with these sound effects. Anyway, I get up this morning. Martina, I've got some bad news for you. <laughs> Tom's made up a woman. Go on. Uh, I was imagining Big Mo from EastEnders. Oh, right, okay. Uh, so... God, that, in his wildest dreams, that's what he's imagining. <laughs> Unexpected, unwelcome guest. (laughs) Lucas, there's a woman in your bedroom. Mm, Big Mo from EastEnders. She sleeps with a sack on her head when she's in the jungle. (laughs) Do you remember? I do remember that. And I'm sure this is the third time we've mentioned it on the pod. Carry on. (laughs) Big Mo's jungle sack sack that she wears on her head in the jungle. Big Mo's jungle sack. (laughs) Coming soon to ITV3. So... I wake, anyway, I got an email, is what I'm trying to tell you, right? I got an email from my French teacher at school. Bonsoir, Lucas Kirkby. Je m'appelle ton t'appelle French teacher. French Ou avec vous. Ou avec vous. Now, vous <laughs> avec moi. <laughs> now, she's sent me an email. I haven't had an email from your French teacher since I did French at school 10 years ago. AS French, right? She's got me email because I probably had to send her some coursework at some point, right? She's mistaken me for somebody else. Mm. She sends me an email in Welsh and uh, I think she thinks that I'm her physiotherapist <laughs> because she's hurt her foot. And she's asking if I've got any time this week to help her out with it. Perhaps not. 
<laughs> it's been ten years since we did French together. Um, could you have a look at my thoughts? Well, what did you reply? I've not sent anything back, uh, but I will reply because I think she's a, she's expecting an email back from a physiotherapist or chiropodist or whoever. He replied, Quelle date de ton anniversaire, he said. <laughs> I said, Lundi, Mardi, Mercredi, Jeudi, Jeudi, <laughs> Lundi, Mardi, Mercredi, Samedi, Dimanche. Discotech. Discotech, Bibliotech, Où est la piscine? Où est le boulevard Saint-Jacques? Hmm. J'habite à Wales. Brilliant. So, yeah, so that what was the nice. French call, Wales. Uh, Pays de Galles. That's disgusting. Thank you. Pays de Galles? <laughs> No, Pay de Gal, which I think means uh, the country of the Gallic or the Gaelic. Je suis Pay de Gal. <laughs> Pardon? Ich bin ein Pay de Gal. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because in, in Spanish it's Pays de Gales. Pays de Gales. And uh, in German, Wales is just uh, Wales. Wales. Yeah, very nice. So, the fun starts of the day. A fun starts of the day. An email from my old French teacher thinking I'm somebody that I'm not. Then I go to work in the school and there is a fire. A fire happened today at school. A faulty hand dryer was set alight and we had to stand outside for over an hour while the fire brigade came and doused out the flames. To be fair... You're lucky this didn't happen yesterday. Why? For yesterday was a chilly one. What? The day? Mm. Oh, yeah. It wasn't too bad. It was a bit nippy. And there was a bit of a wind towards the end of the said hour. But overall, it wasn't bad. But can I congratulate the fire department? So you're about to congratulate the fire, then. The fire <laughs> on burning the school to the ground. Well done, fire. Oh, it was a good one. Uh, but congratulations, because the fire alarm went off, and I would say that the fire engine was there within about three minutes. Well done. Good fire. And, uh, not good fire, good fire, <laughs> fire people. And uh, they did such a good job that the, the school children gave them a rapturous round of applause as they left the premises. And it was a lovely, uh, a joyous occasion. That's mental. Did you see a fireman? Yeah, we saw many a fireman. We saw the fire engine park up. We saw them come out. We saw them taking their equipment into the building. We could smell a bit of smoke. And afterwards, it took a while for them to sort mm. out the bathroom that was uh, set ablaze. But uh, there was a bit of a smell throughout the day of, like, kind of burning uh, around that area. Mm. But well done, the fire brigade. Well done, fire brigade. I've got a final story to tell you. It's been, it's been a busy 24 hours. For Monsieur Kirkby. But you've been busy. I had no stories. What was mine? What did it? What What did I even say? You shrunk your jacket. My jacket shrunk. You shrunk your jacket. What a pathetic excuse for a man. We've not seen each other for weeks now, and that's all <laughs> I've got to show for myself. Honey, I shrunk the jacket. Honey, I've lost my will to live. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you this. Monday was a chilly one. Monday, I was teaching improv in Leeds. But let me go back to the Pottervision show that we did in Liverpool. Right. 
I'm, we, drive se- we drove separately, didn't we, to Liverpool? Yeah. Right, I'm driving home. Part of the motorway is closed. Oh, I right. remember this. You remember diversion. this? There was a diversion. It took me to Warrington. How about you, friend? It took me to Warrington as well. But there was a point in the journey where I was trying to follow the diversion. The arrows were kind of sending me different ways. I couldn't work it out. No sat-nav for Lucas Kirkby. I had the sat-nav, but the sat-nav kept trying to send me back into the diversion. So I was trying to... Uh, I edited the Google Maps settings to avoid motorways. So it sent me through Warrington, like you did, through the towns, whatever, back to my house. Lovely. I'm home. I'm safe. I'm in bed. Right. Forget all about it. Yesterday, I have to go to Leeds to teach improv. Normally, it takes me an hour to get to Leeds, right? I'm leaving at five o'clock. I put it in the sat-nav. It says two hours to Leeds. I was hoping to eat uh, on the way. And now I do not have time. I will arrive bang on seven o'clock when I need to be there. So I grab myself a sandwich, stuffing my face in the car, and it takes me the most ridiculous route. And I think it's because it's five o'clock. It's because there's traffic. I'm going through these villages, these tiny towns. I should be on the M62. And I'm going through these country lanes. It's ridiculous. It takes me two hours to do a one-hour journey. So I think, well, bloody hell, there must have been a crash on the M62. Something must have happened. I do the thing in Leeds, I do the workshop, and then I'm leaving at about 10pm. I put in my Google Maps again, two hours back. I'm like, hey, this is now 10pm. It cannot take me two hours to get back. The setting was still on, avoid motorways, and I drove for two hours for no reason because I hadn't changed my Google Maps back. So I was a fool. That's the way he likes it. It's the way I like it. I That's thought. the way. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He likes it. No motorway for me, please. <laughs> me want stop-start through small towns. I would love to. 30, 40, 60, back to 30. I love it. 30, 40, 30, 40, 50, 60, 30. Tractor. Tractor. Sheep. Old man. <laughs> traffic light, traffic light. That was, you thought that was a traffic light? Yeah. Stop! <laughs> Go! So yeah, I felt like a right fool. I've done that before on my way back from maybe Leeds. Yeah. I put in my sat nav, Salford. Yeah. Yeah. Took yeah. Me, took me to a different Salford. <gasps> oh There's my some goodness. other Salford. Yeah. Well, this actually happened to a snooker player. There's an Australian snooker player called Neil Robertson. And if you want to hear that story, you got to tune in to Robertson Vision podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very quick story. There was a snooker tournament in Barnsley. He picked the wrong Barnsley on his map, ended up six hours away, and got disqualified from the tournament for not being there on time. Rightly so. Rightly so. Where is he from? He's from Australia. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Love the Australians. I don't know how many Australians listen to us. I think a few. Good day if you're listening. <laughs> Hello, Australian friends. What time is it there? Oh, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder. Well, it could be any time of the day because people oh, yeah. choose when they listen to this. People aren't listening live, are they? Is it hot there? Does the sun shine down on you? Are you wearing suntan lotion? Are you wearing a thong? <laughs> In fact, all our listeners, let us know. Are you wearing a thong? <laughs> no, man, because Australians call flip-flops thongs. Oh, do they? Oh, yeah. Oh, do they? Oh, do they? <laughs> so the Australians jokingly uh, saying that your big toe and the toe next to it are the buttocks. 
I've got a thumbs down, listeners. <laughs> now, Tom, that may be one of our longest catch-up intros ever. Oh, what? listeners, so what? you know, he's an hour and 20 minutes late. Hey, you didn't have to say that. <laughs> Me, in my stupidity, I assumed that it was at six o'clock we were meeting, but it was at five. I don't know why I thought it was six. I message him at five. And he goes, I'm just talking into a turkey dinner. <laughs> I've got a turkey dinner on a Tuesday. Good Lord. And I'll be never soon. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was five minutes late, but Tom has included... That's right, uh, that's t- ten. Go on. He's included the 15 minutes I've been sat up here waiting for him in the, he, in the lateness. Listeners, he sits up here just running his mouth, just chatting about funny things. I was listening and participating, but he was taking the lead. This is me. If this was The Apprentice, Alan Sugar's horrible little nasty finger would be pointed right at you, saying, you're fired. (laughs) (laughs) Where's Alan Sugar from? You're fired, you are. It's me, Alan Sugar. (laughs) I love The Apprentice. It looks like he was carved out of wood. Yeah, he does. He's got like a very wrinkly walnut head. Alan Sugar. <coughs> Alan Walnut. Alan Walnuts. It's got to be somebody called Alan Walnut. I'd love to be called Alan Walnut. Hmm. Would you? Yeah. <laughs> Every day. I am going to put you to that. Change your name by deed poll to Alan Walnut. Do you know what? I think that is a much better name for you. <laughs> if you give me the £20 it costs to uh, have your name changed by deed poll. It's the Pottervision Boys. Please welcome to the stage Tom Lawrenson and Alan Walnut. <laughs> the more I'm hearing it, the more I'm liking it as a stage look name. In, look in the window at your reflection. It's that- Alan Walnut! <laughs> It is Alan, and I think because I've got a shirt and tie on, I think Alan Walnut always wears a shirt and tie. It's Alan Walnuts. <laughs> hey, welcome to the Pottervision podcast, the podcast every week where this man opposite me, Tom Lawrenson, and myself, Alan Walnut, we look at a chapter of the Harry Potter podcast at the books. Tom, <laughs> on, are you Walnut. ready for me, Alan Walnut, to yes. give you a chapter three rundown? Please, run me down. I will. Bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter three, the invitation. Harry goes downstairs and they have breakfast, but oh, they've got everyone on a diet to support Dudley. They're all getting a quarter of a grapefruit each. Yum, 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 whatever. The postie rings, ding dong, it's postie. He's laughing about a letter that he's giving to Uncle Vernon. Vernon's not happy, it's a letter from Mrs Weasley and there are a million stamps all over it and he's annoyed. What's this? He opens it up. Mrs Weasley is inviting Harry to the Quidditch World Cup. They've managed to get tickets. It's a brilliant opportunity. Mm. Harry decides to threaten Vernon with Sirius Black. Vernon agrees. All right, then, you can go. I'm going to get rid of you for the rest of the summer. Whoop-de-doo. Harry goes upstairs, and not only does he go upstairs, but also he receives a letter from Ron from the little owl known as Pig. It's a little letter, and it says, Look, Harry, my mum sent a letter to Uncle Vernon, but you're coming anyway. Sunday, five o'clock, we're picking you up. You're going to the Quidditch World Cup. It's going to be great. Harry goes, woohoo! 
And he writes a little letter to Sirius saying, Sirius, I'm on the way to the Quidditch Cup, baby. If you want to get in touch with me, send your letter to the Burrow. And that is the end of the invitation. R-S-V-P. Find out what it means to me. What a chapter. What a chapter. Listeners, I love these chapters. Oh, yeah. we are with the Dursleys. In my opinion, the greatest family in the Harry Potter series. The oh, Dursleys. Gotta be. They're fantastic. Yeah. Right? And I'm, there's no so- sarcasm there. I honestly be mindful of these chapters. Savor them because we get one or two a book series. I know. And as the books get longer, the time in between seeing the Dursleys mm. will get longer. You know, we we might see them next chapter, I don't know. All we're gonna get is the occasional reminder that Harry don't like them. Harry don't like them. And I don't know, because for me, I don't actually know in this book, but every chapter, uh, sorry, every book so far, there's been like a big event, a big climax to the times with the Dursleys. Mm. First chapter, we've got the the owl letters coming in. We've got them going off to that shack on the uh, on the rocks in the middle of the mm-hmm. sea. The second one, the rescue mission, Vernon falling out the window. The third one, Aunt Marge blowing up and floating about. So I'm reading this. If it was the first time I'm reading it, I'd be expecting some kind of big finale to the Dursleys. Mm. And I don't know if there is one, because it's not in the films. They're not even in this film, are they? But... I don't know whether this is leading up to something or if we're just not going to get any Dursley climax in this book. We're going to get a bit of Dursley play. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> um, now, as with every Harry Potter book, we get a little reminder, every book series, yeah. that the Dursleys are not fit. They are not fit. Harry... He's I don't mean thinking. I don't mean fit as in the universal sense of the word. I mean fit as in the UK unshaggable sense of the word. Yeah, fit as in you're not fit. You're unshaggable. Yeah, they are not peng, as the young might say. <laughs> Amber Junior, you got horse teeth. Vernon, you pig. Dudley, you're even bigger pig. Yeah, Harry, do you have to remind us every book that. She looks like a horse. The, the poor woman is just preparing a grapefruit. That's all she's doing in this chapter. I don't actually think Petunia has mm. made any nasty comments for two books. Yeah. I don't think she said anything nasty in the last book when Marge was around. I think it's Chamber of Secrets when maybe she said the last thing and that was maybe behave for the Masons. Though she is making sure that Harry gets the smallest wedge of... Grapefruit. Grapefruit. Yeah. Right. And also, Mrs. Dursley, are you stupid? <laughs> a slice of grapefruit is yeah. not enough calories and nutrition for anyone. Yeah. Never mind the biggest boy in the world. I know. Like, like you it, might as well just be inducing, like, I don't yeah. know. Well, it's dangerous, isn't it, to go from the diet he's on to suddenly go to this bare-bones yeah. diet. It's got to be in steps. Give the boy a lot of roughage. Give him an iceberg lettuce. Give him an iceberg lettuce. Let him fill up on that yeah. with a bit of vinegar on it. Now, I <laughs> was wondering... <laughs> I was wondering how big... I, I was like, I can't think in my head how big a grapefruit is. You know, what? what is this portion that they're getting? So I googled grapefruit size, right? The first image. Hey, tell you what, boy. What? You're the only person in the world who needs to do this. Everyone else can 
picture a grapefruit. <laughs> I, well, I could not picture it's the, the size. size of two oranges. <laughs> I could not picture the size of a grapefruit, right? So I searched grapefruit size into Google. It's disappeared now. Right. Now you might... Thrilling content. What thrilling content? Listeners, you're about to find out how big a grapefruit is. Aren't you excited? Are you excited? Now, I was just expecting... I was not expecting to bring up the picture that I saw. The first image that you get on Google Images, when you search grapefruit size... Can I guess? Go on. Pregnant woman. Well, she might be pregnant. Oh. <laughs> it's a naked woman. Holding half a grapefruit. He, he talks about them being horrible. And it's that classic literary device of people saying that nasty people are ugly. Mm. And it's not true, is it? Yes, it is. It's, it's not. I'm pretty and I'm lovely. Well, yes, but you are just one example, aren't you? <laughs> there are pretty people. Who Name are, who one are not pretty nice. person who's not nice. A pretty person... Who's not nice? Um, oh, you've stumped me. Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. Mm. Albeit he's not real. <laughs> but he's the first person that came to mind. Somebody not real. Uh, oh, there must be uh, a couple like the bad boys on EastEnders. They'd, they'd be classed as handsome men. But who, who are the bad boys? Naughty. Who are the uh, bad boys? I don't know. What, are you, do you think Phil Mitchell and Grant Mitchell are pretty? <laughs> they're very pretty. Two of them together, lovely. No, who was that one who was? Um... Oh my god, oh, I forgot. This is from the same man whose wildest fantasy is Big Mo. <laughs> oh, compared to Big Mo, bloody hell! Phil and Grant's throwing Peggy for good measure. Lovely. She's dead. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not just in the soap, real life. R.I.P. Babs. <laughs> Throw her in. I want two brothers, and I want you to throw in their mother. <laughs> God. Take this man's laptop off him. <laughs> what a strange episode this has become. <laughs> Problem is, I've been trained in improv to say yes and, and it sends me down some very dodgy cul-de-sacs. That's funny. I've been trained to say no, shut up. <laughs> we went to different schools. I love that the school have waited until the end of year report to accuse Dudley of bullying. It's been happening all year. There have been kids hung up by their underpants in the toilets. There have been children beaten, bruised, battered behind the bike shed. No, no, we won't ring home. We'll wait until the July report and put it in the comments. By the way... Dudley has been bullying many of the children at our school. F. What? It's sad, isn't it, these teachers? Yeah. I think they're afraid of Dudley or his parents. Yeah. Because it's the type of thing... People send me emails at work just before they leave, so... I don't have a chance to respond to them. Oh, really? So they don't, so they're like, you know, I'll get an email at three or five, and yeah, you're like, yeah. bloody hell. Send this at nine. Send it when the cock crows, mm -hmm. so this cock can reply. <laughs> 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 yeah, maybe they're doing it so that if they are angry, they've got the whole of the summer holidays to calm down. Though it's interesting, this school report. And I wanted to know, listeners, the school nurse weighs in. She says... Uh, Literally. That... 
commented on how Dudley is overweight. Mm. Why is the school nurse commenting on Dudley being a fat boy, right? Yeah. And she says he is the size of a young killer whale. Or does the author say that? I think the author says that, yeah. Right, he's the size of a young killer whale. I'll look that up. Yeah. Could you... Did you? No, I didn't. Would you, could you guess the weight of a, a young killer, a baby killer whale? I'm going to guess half a ton. <laughs> Give me stones or pounds. Uh, I'm going to say a killer whale, 50 stone. A killer whale is 25 stone. Right, a ba- 25 baby killer stone. Baby killer. That boy is not 25 no stone. No way, no way, no. 353 pounds. Whoa! Yeah, no, he's not that, is he? But you're right. Like, what? when is she doing this assessment on his weight? Like, she's the school nurse. Is she in the middle of doing year nine immunizations? She jabs him in the arm and goes, oh, I'm writing home about you, big boy. Does the size also, of a killer whale. Like, I don't want an assessment from the school nurse. No. Like, I don't know. What? It's not the army. Why are they all doing like a medical? <laughs> right, come on, jog on the spot for five minutes. We'll measure your heart rate. I've got maths. I've got English. But, um... School nurse said my arse is too saggy. <laughs> Harry um, is not worried about the grapefruit for breakfast. Yeah. For he has a store of products in his bedroom that he can eat from, right? He is sent away from all his friends to say, friends, they're starving me here. Please send me food. Yeah. Hagrid sent over (sighs) some rock cakes. Yeah. Let's bake some rock cakes. Yeah. Here you are, Harry. I've sent you some food. Yeah. Harry is not eating the rock cakes. He's turned his nose up at them. Listen, dipshit. (laughs) You asked for food. Yeah. You've been sent food. Yeah. Eat the rock cakes. Yeah. He has sent a letter to Hagrid. Hagrid, please send me food. I am on a diet, but I want food. Hagrid sends the food. Oh, I'm not going to eat that. It's not unsolicited. You've asked. You've asked for those food. You know what he's like. You've had the treacle that clamps your mouth shut. You've had the rocks, that, rock cakes that break your teeth. How fucking dare you? Harry Potter. He's annoyed me there. Because I can imagine Hagrid with his little pinny on and his oven gloves putting his life and soul into the rock cakes. And poor old Harry Potter. No, I think he's, I don't think Hagrid's got much attention to detail. Well, he's, he's put effort in. Hagrid is a selfish man. Yeah. Though he is generous, he is not thoughtful because he does not put much thought into the food that he gives for others. He assumes people like food the exact same way that he has it. Yeah, that's true. Which they don't. No. We don't like lice in our tea, Hagrid. We don't (laughs) like, you know, you've got, you've made treacle for a giant. We are not giants. We are people. Yeah. People. <laughs> You've made rock cakes that only an elephant could chew. Yeah. We are people. We are people. Make softer food. Yeah. Make softer food, Harry. That's all we're asking. But Harry, he's a cheeky girl. I've had chapter. this pi- I've had this pic with people making me cups of tea before. Oh yeah. Where they just throw some sugars in. Oh yeah. Slow down, cowboy. I did not ask for no sugar. Now I who knows how it will go. I will either drink it out of politeness or or I will refuse it. I will send it back. Yeah. 
Are you a no sugar man then? No sugar in your tea at all? No sugar man. No sugar man. I'm the no sugar man. Scary. <laughs> no sugar man. I've scared him, listeners. I'm scared. My eyes are wide. My heart rate has increased. I am scared. I am at my alert state. Harry is such a cheeky git in this entire chapter. He has the audacity to be going around saying, Dudley's a big fat pig. He's enormous. You know, I've had his hand-me-down shirt. I have to roll my sleeves up five times to get it over because he's so enormous. He takes up the whole side of the table. Dudley is on a diet. He's eating a quarter of a grapefruit. While you, Harry Potter, have four complete birthday cakes under your floorboards. Mm. And rock cakes and sweets. Sugar-free snacks, bits from Ron. Yeah. Fruit cake. How dare you? You probably actually eat more than Dudley. You just maybe are blessed with a better metabolism, so you do not store fat as much. It will catch up to you, Mr. Potter. You are going to be one of these middle-aged men with a skinny little frame, but a big, fat gut. We've all seen them about. They're in our families. <laughs> They're on the street. Yeah. They are the policemen. They are the lollipop men. Yeah. They are the milkmen. They are the postmen. Yeah. yeah. They are our teachers. They are our priests. They are butchers, our bakers. Our candlestick makers. I wouldn't say that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right. He's but, gonna get to his twenties and get a nasty shock. But it's a fact. Yeah. Men with bellies exist. We can't sit here pretending they don't exist. (laughs) They do. Yeah, they do. I am sat here in the middle of trying not to become one of those men. Mm. I'm fighting a battle, trying to diet, but also sustain myself. (laughs) Are you thinking I was going to jump on that? I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. (laughs) I'll tell you what, though. (laughs) Vernon is not happy with this diet, but... I think it's a wonderful thing that Aunt Petunia has decided to get the whole family to do the diet to support Dudley. Because I think it would be awful if they were all sat having a beef dinner and he was there with a quarter of a grapefruit. Or they were all having a fry up and he can only have a grapefruit. I think, fair dues, Petunia. I think that's a wonderful thing to do. Though her methods are flawed. Sure, idea of a diet is the same idea of a diet I had when I turned, like, 18. Yeah. I went to uni... Fat git. (laughs) (laughs) I turned up there fat. Some people gain the weight while they're there. Yeah. Not me. Turned up there, big lad. Or was I? Well, I got fat at some point, right? Right. And at one point, I was like, right, time to diet, right? Yeah. This will be my tea tonight. And I got like a bag of like mixed salad. Yeah. Threw in a tin of tuna. Yeah. And ate that. Lovely. (laughs) And was it nice? I don't know, man. I mean, because you think people always yeah. do it. They go, oh, I'll go from 5,000 calories a day to mm. 20 calories a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to do it in steps, little stages. Now, they're eating breakfast and there is a knock at the door. Correct. Who is it? Vernon Dursley. Yeah. Takes to the feet, takes to his feet. Yeah. Walks to the door. Yeah. It's a postman. Postman! Postman has knocked on the door because he's delivering a letter that has far too many 
postage stamps on the front. Yes. And he's knocking on the door because he finds it funny and he wants to know who is it from. Uh-huh. This postman wants sacking. <laughs> <laughs> it is unprofessional, but I love that he's done it. Ringing the doorbell to find out where letters come from. Yeah. None of your effing business. <laughs> what next? Yeah. What next? What's in your parcel? Yeah. Open it in front of me. I want to see what have you ordered. Let me read it. Let me read it. <laughs> New knickerbockers for your boy. <laughs> About to buy them online. They don't do them in the shop his size. So, Mrs. Weasley does not know how stamps work on a letter. Right Now, as we know, the Weasleys are a poor family. They struggle to make ends meet. Okay. Now, I'm not going to take inflation into account, okay, but I've done a bit of maths. Okay. I'll, I'll go through the maths with you, right? The average stamp, well, a stamp, uh, the size of it is uh, 21 by 24, which is 504 millimetres squared, the area of a stamp. An envelope, she's put it on both sides, right? The area of an envelope, 240 by 165. Times that by two, we've got 79,200 millimetres squared of envelope to cover. For Mrs. Weasley to cover that letter all the way around, she would have had to have used 157 stamps. If she had bought them first class, this has cost Mrs. Weasley... A hundred and thirty-three pounds forty-five pence, <clears throat> and if it was second class, one hundred and three pounds sixty-two. In case you were going to ask, <clears throat> this woman is in financial hardship, and I'm starting to think it's of her own doing. <clears throat> Silly decisions. <laughs> one hundred and thirty-three pounds to send a letter. Not renting out the paddock. I will mention it again. Rent out that paddock. Listeners, it's surely been 20 episodes without you hearing about the paddock. (laughs) Have you missed it? It's lying there dormant. They've no animals in it. The kids don't use it while they're at Hogwarts. Rent it out to a riding school. I'd like to commemorate you on the the maths that you bothered doing for that. (laughs) Thank you. Genuinely, very interesting. Yay! Um, yeah. Yeah, good point. Wasting money on stamps. Yeah. Though, could we imagine that they are fake stamps? Oh, yeah. Because where she got... Well, I'm, I'm assuming she just went down to the local post office. What if the sly girl bought one, oh. replicated it... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sent the letter that way? That'd be clever. Get one, do a... I think it's called Jiminio, when you make them duplicate each other. Jiminio? Jiminio. Oh, I call it by a different name. What do you call it? Fraud. (laughs) (laughs) Your Honour, it was just Jiminio. You're a fraud, Mrs Weasley. Yeah, yeah. You have stolen, you have counterfeited over £100 worth of stamps. Yeah. Stamps are legal tender. Yeah. You can legally... Pay for a ticket on the bus with stamps. Can you? Yeah. No. Yeah, you can. Can you? Yeah. Well, yeah, because she's going to cause, like, hyperinflation if she carries on. If they don't accept it, if the bus driver doesn't accept it, you can report him. She's rubbish. You can. You, can, you have to report him while you're walking home. <laughs> Cock-a-hoop. That's from the office. Oh, is it? 
No, not the cock a hoop. Uh, that bit of dialogue I just said. <laughs> oh, lovely! I like that. <laughs> being uh, being taken into the office scene unawares. Oh, very good. For me, yeah, I don't understand Vernon's. She, Harry's being invited to the Quidditch World Cup, and he's invited to stay at the Borough for the last two weeks of the holidays, and they're going to take him to the Hogwarts mm. Express. Vernon, what are you thinking about? Get rid of him. Get rid of that little nit for two weeks. Mm. I know you don't like to see him happy, but you don't have to see him happy because he won't be in the house. Get rid, surely. And then you can up your percentage of grapefruit from 25% to 333 recurring. More maths, listeners. Mm. You think Mrs. We- Mrs. Um, Durs is going to take a bigger cut? Oh, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Maybe she'll keep her quarter. We are not doing any more maths on this what? podcast. It is a sin. <laughs> People don't like it. They don't like it. People listeners. will be taking their AirPods out of their ears right now yeah. and flicking them into a canal. Yeah. Some Maybe. people are driving. Now they are swerving. <laughs> yeah. There is carnage left behind them. I'm asking you kindly, listener, slow down. Yeah. Stop swerving. There will be no more maths. We promise. We promise. We will not talk about the fact that if Mrs. Dursley was to keep her quarter and shared it equally between the other two, that they would get three-eighths each. We will not talk about that, <laughs> listeners. That'd be fun. Harry Potter-based questions in GCSE maths. No, it would not be fun. If Mr. and Mrs. Because all the kids at school remember the grapefruit scene from Harry Potter... When Mrs. Dursley slices up the grapefruit, at my eyes would twinkle with joy if I saw that in my GCSE maths paper. Lovely. <laughs> the Dursleys. <laughs> For me... Uncle Vernon yeah. is trying to... No pl- more maths? Tra- <laughs> Uncle Vernon <laughs> yeah. is trying to place Mrs. Weasley. Who is this Weasley woman? Oh, yeah. <laughs> You've met her before. The red-haired woman. And he's like, hmm, the one with all the kids. Big shagger. (laughs) He doesn't say that, I don't think. He does. Dumpy woman. He calls her dumpy. And Harry's like, oh, don't call her that, Mr. Dursley. Harry. He calls him Mr. Dursley. (laughs) He calls his uncle Mr. Dursley. Mr. Dursley. (laughs) Vernon calls Mrs. Weasley dumpy. And Harry's outraged. How dare you call Mrs. Weasley dumpy? I specifically remember Harry Potter referring to her as Dumpy in his mind in book one. Mm. The exact same word, Dumpy. How dare you? But it's that thing of, you know, you take the mickey out of people you like, don't you? Friends, you have, you have banter, don't you, lads? Mm. Yeah, you take the piss out of each other. But if somebody else does it outside the friendship group, that is not on. I can call him a knobhead. You cannot, Mr. Dursley. Harry can't call Mrs. Weasley dumpy. He can, in his mind. <laughs> For... You can only take... You can only insult someone when they know that the person saying the words does not mean it. Yes. Sometimes <laughs> me and you off mic will say mean things. Sometimes on mic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
It's nice. Though we know the other one doesn't mean it, and we have love in our hearts. It is true, listeners, it's true. It's funny, Harry is more likely to not say wisdom things around Vernon than yeah. he is to not say Voldemort around any wizard. I know. Any wizard recoils in horror any time he hears the word Voldemort. Yeah. Uncle Vernon growls when he hears the word wizard. <laughs> and broomstick as well. He can't even hear broomstick. <laughs> Harry Potter. Mm. Well, I, on the one hand, I can understand, like, Vernon. On the one hand, I can understand. Man's a singer. <laughs> that rhymes, isn't it? What? On the one hand, I can understand. On the one hand, I can understand. I'm a bard of our time. Uh, <laughs> Vernon, I can understand him being triggered because Harry, in their life, has caused chaos. He, you know, blowing up Vernon's sister with magic is a traumatic event. Let him off. Let him off. Vernon being pulled out of the top bedroom window <laughs> and breaking his back on a hedge, also a traumatic event. Having thousands of letters flying into your face, causing many paper is a traumatic event. I would be triggered. And of course, his wife's sister, murdered by a wizard. Well, if I can't go to the Wizarding World Cup, I'll just go to my room and write a letter to my godfather. Threats now, is it? (laughs) Threatening me, Harry. Thank you. I haven't even decided yet whether you can go or not. (laughs) That is such a funny way to react to a threat. Imagine you getting mugged in the street. Someone draws a knife on you. Give me your wallet. Threats, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, one of my favourite audience reactions... Threatening me? ...in Liverpool was, at the end of the first uh, film, Voldemort appears, as we all know, Mm -hmm. and uh, we reveal Voldemort in the show, and normally when I say, I am Voldemort, there may be some, you know, sarcastic booze, a bit of fun, a little giggle. Uh, In Liverpool... I turned around, revealed as Voldemort, and I went, I am Voldemort. An audience member went, Oh, what a great reaction. Oh, it's Voldemort. Ooh. That's good, isn't it? Threats, is it? Oof. Threats, is it now, blackmail? <laughs> Fancy that one? Blackmail, is it? It's like you're punching me. Oh, very surprising. Battery and assault. Mm, thank you. <laughs> I knew it'd come to this. but it works the Mm. threats the harassment the blackmail it works I've got to write a letter to my godfather is this the godfather? I'll make him an African refuse I'll make him a little African refuse but he agrees it works Vernon says you've backed me into a corner what can I do other than let you go hmm you may go. You may enjoy the Quidditch World Cup. You may enjoy time with that dumpy witch and her <laughs> lovely children. Harry walks off, fighting the urge to jump in the air and whoop. Woo! I wish he'd done it. Whoop! <laughs> Woo! I'm imagining the jump that, uh, you know, when you try and do a group photo where everyone jumps at the same time and oh, his yeah. legs are bent to I've, the left. Do you know I've never been involved in one of those in my life? 
I think once or twice when it was like a school trip or something. But I'm just imagining Harry doing it in like a little graduation cap and robes. Woo! With his little legs <laughs> kicking out to the side. <laughs> Wish I'd seen it. Wish that had happened. He jumps up into the air. <laughs> Unfortunately, his clothes are too baggy and they do not jump with him. <laughs> Stored in the living room. Is <laughs> a partially clad teenage boy. Now, why have you gone and done that? Oh, it was magic. No, it's not. It's not magic. You've just grazed your fist on the roof. <laughs> Harry, you look like a fool. We didn't give the, them underpants with stains in them. <laughs> look, Harry, I wanted to talk to you about that embarrassing... Mo- He's there. Mm. Sat on the floor of his bedroom with a floorboard removed, eating one of four chocolate cakes. He runs up to this bedroom, too excited. He's taking three <laughs> steps at once, right? So excited. If I was if I was the Dursleys, I'd make him keep that door open. We can yeah. hear a lot of strange noises coming from that room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His inhuman athleticism is shown once again. We know that he can jump onto oh, a school wow. roof. A year callback. Wow. A year callback. That was the first book. The he can very ju- first book. Jump onto the school roof. Woo! <laughs> Three at a time, like most flights of stairs, have about like 10 to 12 steps. He is climbing a flight of steps in four jumps. Imagine somebody going, just going upstairs, and you hear... <laughs> right upstairs now <laughs> what <laughs> how's he done that he's a freak mm. we find out for muggle post is clearly faster than our post yeah isn't it I mean very impressive Mrs Weasley has placed a letter in a post box at 5pm that afternoon, it was collected and taken from the van to the local depot. The depot was then sorted into where the post is going. The following morning, the post has been picked up, put into a new post van. It has then been taken all the way across to Surrey, near London. And it has then been posted through the letterbox by the postman. Quicker than an owl can fly as the crow flies from A to B. Mm. Pigwidgeon, you're slow. Pigwidgeon might be my least favourite name in these books. I hate Crookshanks. Yeah. I hate Pigwidgeon. Well, it's just Pigeon with a wig in it. <laughs> Great name. Oh, nice one, Pigwidgeon. It's just Pigeon with a wig in it. Yeah. Do you want to stop it? Oh, yeah. What's the next one going to be called? Cheer Tupakin. It was funny, though. <laughs> what? Chicken with a toupee in it. Chick toupeekin. <laughs> Come on, that's got to be the next owl. Chick toupeekin. Chick toupeekin. My favourite bit of this chapter yeah. is how Ron has written in his book that the Weasleys have said, we're coming for you whether they like it or not. Yeah. Basically. 5pm, Harry, Sunday, mum and dad are going to come and kidnap you. <laughs> <laughs> No, they are his guardians. You get consent. Yeah. Get their permission. Get their permission. Yeah, they don't need to send two letters, do they? They just need to hope for the best. There is no point sending a letter in the Royal Mail Post if you're also going to give a letter to Pen Merkinguin. Mm. (laughs) Anyway, I'm having too much fun with that. 
Right. Because really, mm. what would the Dursleys do? What would the Dursleys do? What, it's always what I think. Whenever I'm faced with a moral quandary, I turn to myself and I say, what would the Dursleys do? I turn to myself. What, what would the Dursleys do? I think to myself. What would the Dursleys do? What would they do if Harry just left and went to the borough? Are they really going to come after him? Are they really going to complain? Perhaps. Missing uh, child? Would they really? Are they that bothered? If Harry just, you know, July, end of school, just went with Ron back to the borough for the rest of the summer, are they really going to come after him? Are they really going to report it to the police? Well, yeah, because there is guardians. They need to know for sure that he is at Hogwarts. If he's going to leave, yeah. they need to know the parameters of his journey. Mm. He's going to be at the at the Weasleys from this period, then the Weasleys are going to take him there. He can't just leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose you're right. Yeah. It'd be very easy for it to get found out. Like, because if they're saying he's at this St. Brutus's, you know, thing for incurably criminal boys, someone must, you know, have an inkling that he's not there. Or, you know, there must be some kind of. I don't know. It just seems like, how do they get away with that for, for seven People years? People don't care that much. They're too busy thinking about themselves. Yeah. Years change, you know? Like, years go on and on and on. All of a sudden, the children that you know in your lives are adults. And they are getting jobs. They are moving out. You know, they are people in themselves. Did you notice any of it? No. Because you're a neighbour. Yeah. And you're living your own life. Unless you're a curtain twitcher. The only person on that street who would notice is Petunia mm. Dursley herself. Yes, that's true. She does love a bit of a curtain twitch. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, I think people are just invested in their own little lives, aren't they? And I think... I can't tell you my neighbour's names. No, no. Can you tell me your neighbour's name? I could. I won't on this podcast. What, I is, know... her, what is her address? <laughs> this gets me. So he, he's responding back to Ron. And he goes, oh, the muggers have said it's all right. Right, Harry, call them your auntie and, your, and uncle. I feel like it's the most disrespectful thing to refer to them as All the, the Dursleys. They're the Dursleys. The Dursleys. Vernon has said it's fine. My uncle has said it's fine. Like, imagine me talking about my mum and dad or my auntie and uncle and going, oh, the Welsh have said it's all right. <laughs> Who are the Welsh? <laughs> My auntie and uncle. Yeah. They're the Welsh. It just sounds like when you... <laughs> When, when you're just tarnishing them with one brush, it just sounds very offensive, especially when they're your own dear family. The Welsh. Lepida Giles. Lepida Giles. Right. How many skinny little boys stuffing their faces in a bedroom out of five are you giving this chapter? I like this chapter. I felt like it was an improvement on the previous one. Uh, I love the Dursleys. I like this little regime Petunia's got going. Uh, Vernon... Even though it's very mean, I feel like there is some lovely imagery about Vernon in this chapter. Very fun. I like pigwidging. I like we're setting up the Quidditch World Cup. But nothing really happened. There wasn't much going on to write home about. Uh, we're on the end of chapter three, and I still don't think we have got past midday in, in this one day since we started. Uh, but I'm going to give it... I think last week I gave it two... This week, I shall give it to three little boys eating in their bedroom out of five. Lovely. For me, 
I this is why I open these books, the Dursleys. I love them. Yeah. Daddy Dursley. Mm-hmm. He's the man of the house. Yeah. Mummy Dursley. She's got her own little quirks. Mm-hmm. And baby Dursley. What? <laughs> he is 25-7. Stone. Oof. Now that's the kind of but. Do you reckon Australians use stone or pounds or kilograms? Um, I'm gonna guess that they use kilos. You reckon kilos? Yeah. I weigh fifty kilos, ma'am. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I weigh fifty stone, ma'am. <laughs> Back to EastEnders, aren't we? Um, <laughs> who's that, Mo? Yeah. Um, <laughs> talking to her mum. It's a little episode in itself. If yeah. I was watching this scene like as like a play or like as mm-hmm. part of a film or a television program, I would be completely absorbed. Mm. I love seeing Harry Potter in this environment. He thinks he's a hot shot, but the Dursleys do not shot. Exactly. Do you hear me? I hear your poetry now. And now these plays of power with Vernon. Finally, Harry's getting older and he's starting to get these methods mm. of one-upping Vernon, yeah? yeah? Manipulating him. He's a bit Machiavelli, right? He he's is. A, he's a cheeky boy. Mm-hmm. And he's <laughs> he makes threats. He's got his own little secret like things going on throughout the house. Mm-hmm. Secret sweets and chocolate. He's mm. manipulating his friends to send him food. <laughs> He really is a crafty little cock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is, and he's developed these skills. Sorry to interrupt your rating. Because last time, last year, he was like bribing Vernon with, I'll behave for Marge if you sign this contract. Now he's threatening a murderer on him. He's My awful. godfather will murder you. <laughs> Should you not let me go to a sporting event? It will be your last day today. <laughs> God. I've always said I wish you'd go into the eternal slumber. God. It's like Breaking Bad, isn't it? You think he's a good guy, but he slowly gets more horrendous as the chapters go on. And it's for that insanity that I give this chapter four skinny little boys stuffing their faces in a bedroom out of five. A wonderfully fair rating. Now it is time for the nation's favourite segment, quiz. Quiz, quizicky, quiz, quizicky, quiz, 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 Gonna ask you some questions. How well will you do? Quiz, quizicky, quiz, quizicky, quiz, 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 Gonna ask you about hypotenuse. How well will you do? And blew you a kiss. Now last week on quiz you failed. Oh, um, every everyone was upset with you. They yeah. thought, mm, obvious. Hedwig is a bigot. Hedwig is a bigot. Mm, mm, mm. So let's see how you fare this week. I am going into this quiz with a heavy heart, wondering what little invisible wires you have placed around it to trip me up on this time. Shout out to Tom's Terror Army. Right, let's start. <laughs> how many birthday cakes does Harry have? Four. Correct. Question two. What colour was Uncle Vernon's face after reading the letter from Molly Weasley? A rich plum. Correct. How does 
Vernon's hair sit on his head? Oh, I don't know this one. How does Vernon's hair sit on his head? Uh, I've no idea, so I'm going to say a... Like a brown mop. It is neatly parted. Oh, lovely. (laughs) That's nice. When are the Weasleys coming for Harry? Sunday at five o'clock. Correct. What is the last word in this chapter? Oh, well, he's going on about how life's so brilliant. Uh, Oh, and he doesn't even think about Voldemort. I think it's Voldemort. Correct. Four out of five. Unfortunately, Lucas, you have failed the quiz. (gasps) Quiz, 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 this has been the Pottervision Podcast. Thank you so, so much for listening. Can we just stop and say, listeners who've listened to 60 episodes of myself and Tom Lawrence, and you've listened to over 60 hours of us talking about Harry Potter. Thank you. Thank you for listening. It's you, a pleasure. Have you liked it? Have, have you liked it? <laughs> the trial period is over. <laughs> uh, you must now opt whether to continue listening or not. Don't, but, that's not an option. <laughs> You must. You listen forever. You recruit new members to the army. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is part of a pyramid scheme. So every new listener must invite three new listeners and uh, eventually we'll take over the world. Uh, if you want to listen to bonus content, if 60 is not enough for you, there are 18 new uh, bonus episodes. Not new. They've been there. <laughs> There are 18 bonus episodes available on our Patreon. You can just support us if you want. You can access those bonus episodes. There are key rings. There are stickers. There are posters. You can get all sorts of stuff on there. There is our 2019 live show. Please support us if you can. Uh, Also, you can give us a five-star review. That helps boost us up on the search engines. And uh, you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just search Pottervision. Or you can even give us an email. Go to pottervision.com. Email us through there. Or pottervisioncomedy at gmail.com. We're having a little winter break, but we are going on tour. There are ten more dates to our tour. Our second bigger leg is in the new year. We're in Brighton, we're in Birmingham, we're in Belfast, we're in Leicester, we're in London, we're in Manchester, we're in Telford, we're in Leeds, we're in Swansea, we're in Denby. I may have forgotten somewhere, but that is where we are going. Please come and see us. It would be lovely to see you, listeners. We would come love see to meet us, you. Listeners. We're forgetting what you look like. <laughs> the image of your faces is slipping from our minds. Come remind us, listeners. Come remind us. And all the dates are on pottervision.com. You want to look? (laughs) (laughs) Next week, it is episode 61, chapter 4 of the Goblet of Fire. Back to the burrow. You have been Tom Marvolo Lawrenson. And you have been a skeleton covered in flesh and in and organs that looks eerily like Lucas James Kirkby. Goodbye. 
Thank you for listening to the Potter Vision podcast. The music was performed by Jack Evans. If you'd like bonus content and to support the show, you can visit patreon.com forward slash Potter Vision.